For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Lead Singer Syndrome is the name. I'm your host, Shane Told, like every single week. It's good to be back. It's good to have you. Thank you for tuning in. If it's your first time, welcome. If you've listened to all 200 and almost 250, we got episode 250 coming up, the five-year anniversary of the podcast. That's pretty cool, too. If you've listened to all of them, kudos to you. That is, I think I'm the only one that's really listened to all 200 and almost 50. Maybe you have. If you have, let me know. You can send me an email. Anyone can email me at any time. I read them all. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We got a great episode, by the way. Dez of Devil Driver is here. You may also know him from his previous band, Coal Chamber. They did some stuff, and I was really interested to pick his brain about his entire career and, of course, their brand-new album, which is out now, dealing with demons. Some great tracks on this one. Some of the best Devil Driver tunes ever. Don't miss it. And seriously, this is such a great, interesting entertaining chat des delivered it was really really great to have him on the show you're gonna love this episode if you want to support the show there's a couple ways you can do that the first one is to tell a friend tell a loved one somebody that's into music somebody that might you know take interest in one lead singer talking to another you know those backstage conversations that we have right here 
Let them know. Let them know they can check it out anywhere they listen to podcasts. Maybe they don't even listen to podcasts. A lot of people still don't in 2020. I know you do because you're here. But yeah, maybe just show them. Oh, you got an iPhone? Literally buried in your apps page after page. There's an app that just has it right there already. You don't have to download it or anything. So help them out. Help them find the podcast way. It's changed my life. That's for sure. Another way you can help out is write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. That really helps us out with just getting, you know, algorithms and and all that stuff. And the last way and probably the best way is to join the All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, you can subscribe. You get so much stuff, bonus episodes, bonus content, interaction with me, interaction and an amazing community of other fans of the show, merchandise sent out to your house every three months. In fact, being a member of the All Access Club is the only way to get merchandise, and it's just a good time. It really is what keeps this thing going every week for free. It will always be free. Five years in, still free. But we have the All Access Club to thank for that. The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access and uh that's it go there check it out throw me a bone other news with me in case you were wondering my band silverstein has just announced our new album it's called redux 2 and it is a pretty cool project you know you notice it's redux 2 we made an album called redux last year and what we did is we re-recorded from scratch 12 of our biggest songs and we did this for a couple reasons the first reason was those old recordings from you know our first album pretty bad we thought we could do it much better our performances were better and a lot of bands don't do this and i don't know why maybe it's because they're not allowed maybe they just aren't interested in you know going back to their you know old material we really had fun doing those 12 songs so Enter Redux 2. We, instead of picking the 12, you know, next biggest hits, we actually picked 12 kind of deeper cuts, some of the fan favorites that maybe we don't play all the time. And we did them a little bit differently. You know, we we changed some things up here and there when we thought they could use it. And obviously the production is just way better. Sam Guyana, who recorded our last album and also did Redux 1, he killed it on the recording and mixing of this thing. So yeah, it's available for pre-order now at silversteinstore.com. It's exciting. It's really exciting. We released our first single from it, My Disaster, which is a song, to be completely honest, I always hated, and we made it really awesome. It's got all the things it was missing, and I'm loving it, and uh, it's really exciting. So again, the link for that is silversteinstore.com. We got vinyl, we got all kinds of different merch and stuff and packages and bundles, so check it out. Uh, I should mention as well, it is also on our own record label, and so Recordings, and that's cool because, you know, at this time in COVID and everything, you can know that, you know, we aren't able to tour, but you can support us by buying this album checking this album out in any way because this all goes directly to us there's no middleman we are the label so keep that in mind uh if you 
are interested in throwing me or Silverstein a bone, that's it again. I'll give you the link one more time, silversteinstore.com. It's time. Let's get into it. My conversation with Des of Devil Driver. How are you doing? Uh, great. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. That's that's good. You know, there's a lot of... Yeah, it's been a weird six months, right? I mean, we can just start with that. You think? <laughs> I mean, for me, it goes back to last year. I had a weird, fucked up 2019, and now here we go with this. So, you know. Yeah, no, I know all about it. I mean, <clears throat> fleeing the fires and your wife and her battle with cancer, which seems like it's been successful so far. Congratulations on that. Absolutely. Yeah. We've just been like eternal blessings to the universe for that, man. This, uh, you know, life would have been done for me, homie, had she left this planet. So, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's weird, right? Like, they, they, would have, they, they would have found me in the garage in a 1978 Cadillac idling. Oh, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, let's, let's get on to some happier things. I mean, you know, let's talk about a record. Yeah, well, you know, 2020 for you might be better than 2019, which not a lot of people can say that. So that's, you know, how weird is that? Yeah, 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 weird. I mean, I just got off actually with an agent overseas right now that says, you know, nothing's going to be returning until fall next year. And just, I don't know. It's a yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody knows, but it isn't looking good. Um, you know, like people kind of thinking... Oh, it's going to be like January 2021. 2021 is like this magical number that's going to make everything come back. I don't, I'm not so sure, you know? So I'm, and, I'm and, not so sure. I'm not so sure. And, 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 and what's strange is normally as an artist, I'd feel like just my own pain, you know? Oh, I want to travel. I want to get on a bus. Uh, right. You know, my, my band members, my crew, my everybody, you know, needs to stay alive. And, but I'm a manager of, you know, yeah. you know, several big bands and other sure. bands that are, out with their first record. Cradle so, Filth, Ginger, Wednesday 13, 69 Eyes. These are not little bands. No. no These are serious bands with serious... Right. Some of them have serious longevity, and, you know, you're paving the way for the next part of their, you know, career in their... their and home. we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to launch Sumo Psycho and, oh, yeah. Once, and Once Human, which is Logan from Machine Head. So to try to, to try to do this in the middle of a COVID time, I guess where I'm coming from is that like I'm not only feeling my own, my own pains, but I'm like, I'm waking up every morning to, you know, every artist that's underneath our yeah. umbrella saying the same thing. So it's, you know, it's, uh, exponentially bigger on my part and of what I feel, because I, I don't know, I tend to be the kind of manager who's really, um, you know, I'm really in tune, especially because I'm an artist. Yep. I, you know, I tend to take it a lot. I don't want to say more serious, but I do more. I'm, you know, more serious than most. So oh, of course. We'll, we'll have to see where it goes, man. I mean, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Right. And then you've got elections and you've got riots and you've got, you know, protests that are actually, you know, now they're riots and this and that. It's just a real, like uh, strange time in the world, man. You know, it's, it's part and parcel. And this is a good segue of why we decided to release dealing with demons. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk <laughs> about the record. Um, 
it's there's a lot to unpack here. You know, um, I talk to bands all the time, singers all the time about their new record, and it's usually like pretty cut and dried. You know what I mean? But not only is just the time frame in which it's coming out, and I have so many questions about how you guys, you know, recorded this or put it together, but the fact that this is a two-part record, the first part is coming out October 9th, the second part is coming out, I assume, sometime next year. Is the whole thing done? Actually, actually, it's coming out October 2nd. We moved up the release. Oh, okay. And Good. and the second half may not be now coming out 2021, but we'll decide. Right. Uh, I, I need this volume one to at least have a 12-month, like what I call a seeding. So the seedling will grow and the tree will grow. Yeah. I need to have at least a 12-month. So, you know, at that point, that would mean another October or November release 2021, and, and that's a real quick scheduling. So we'll have to see. Um, it's either going to be late 2021 or early 2022. It's not based on touring. It's not based on oh. if the world to normal. It's basically based on, you know, does the seed have enough time to grow to support the second, the second part of the tree that's going to grow, which is volume two. Right, right. No, it's interesting. You know, I read some of your other interviews and you talked about how the idea of this stemmed from, hey, let's do a two volume record. That way we can kind of tour on it for three years. Because touring is no, you know, obviously for people like you and me, it's like our bread and butter, right? I mean, you're always yeah. pretty much either making a record or on tour. That's what you do. That's what bands of your size do. So, you know, that's all gone. And it is. no one's done this before. No one's ever released a record and not been able to play a show, let alone a tour. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very strange thing. I mean, look, I know you're probably much like me. You miss, you know three o'clock in the morning pulling up to a truck stop with four other buses and everybody getting out and getting shitty snacks. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I miss the, uh, I miss the things that I hated now, right. which is like, you know, w- waking it up at a venue and like, you know, waiting to use the bathroom. Cause you can't, you know, for those who are listening, you know, you don't shit on a bus. Well, most of the time, <laughs> I should uh, uh, but you know, like I miss the little things I know. that I thought, I was starting to get over after touring since, you know, whatever, 1995 or whatever it was, you know, I, I'm, I'm missing it. Um, I think that's the only like, uh, fucking icing on the cake is that, is that I actually was thinking, look, let's release a double record. Let's do the world twice. And I mean, in its entirety, every ABC market, uh, we can do. And then let's come off the road for like one whole year, which was a lot for me right now. I've been home a year. This is the longest I've ever been home since my musical inception in 95. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, okay. I truly do miss the road. I mean, it is what it is. And certain people are built for that lifestyle and other people are not. I definitely am one that's like, I'm built for that. I'm built for, you know, get up at three 30 in the morning. Cause you got a five 30 flight, you know, you're going to get at the hotel at nine o'clock. You're going to, shower you're going to be at the venue by 10 you're going to i mean i'm built for that so it's a very strange place to be in right now but you know just like in a fight you bob and you weave and you figure out how to fight the fight and so in february actually before anybody even thought about it we went into lockdown in january by the way of this year because i had a friend in china and he was talking about about what's oh yeah and i told my i told my family I told my brothers, my sisters, I told everyone around me, I said, this thing's coming to the United States, going to shut everybody down. No one's going to go to work. And they thought I was insane. Sure. Meanwhile, 
you know, meanwhile, I'm stockpiling food for two years, uh, any second amendment right stuff that I need, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, now here we are, right? So in February, we actually launched Oracle live with a bunch of partners. I made deals all around the country with venues. So let me give you a, for instance, uh, in LA, no one can come in and use the whiskey, but Oracle live to do live streams. And so we partnered with veeps, which is a great company. Uh, and we've done a lot, you know, we were Vakins partner. We did body count. We did, you know, black veil. We did, we a ton of bands, um, a to put money in bands pockets, B to put money in the cruise pockets, the guys, and to try to keep some of the venues alive around the country and all over the world. Cause we have deals in Germany, deals in the UK. Um, we're getting ready to do a, do one with cradle in a church. Uh, so, awesome. you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a strange situation. And I think really what we all will learn from this is don't, you know, and your mom probably said it, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Cause look, cause look what happens and you got to learn adapt or die. That's where it's at. So, you know, if your job is shut down, don't just sit, wait for it to come back, you know, get up, find something else. I'm just, I'm that kind of guy. I come from a blue collar working class background. So I tend to like get hit in the face, then come up for air and go really, and then throw five punches in a row, you know, knockout punches. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing you have to do in business. You know, that being said, when the music industry comes back around and hopefully it does soon, you know, there's going to be a lot of people wanting to go to shows, you know, what venues will be left, what promoters will be left, uh, how will the business change? Uh, how much more of a percentage will those venues take now that, you know, they're back ended with, with bills. And it's just going to be a really, strange business environment. And when I say business, you know, most of us are art- artists and we think sure. artistically, but I, I'm Italian and I, <laughs> so I tend to think, I, te- I tend to think business all the time. And, and so it, I think the business model is going to be really upended. And, uh, I think you're going to have a lot of, of bands, you know, not going with, you know, major companies as far as, uh, touring. I think they're going to go to a lot of independent promoters who are not going to be saying, you know, right, come into our building and we want 30% of your merch. You want 30 of this. I think that business model is going to change. No, it's super interesting. You know, the live nation and AEG, you know, battle that's gone on, you know, they're kind of like Coke and Pepsi for people that don't understand. And I think that now, yeah, the RC Colas of the world, you know, might have a way in the door, especially with, you know, that live nation memo that went out saying, Oh, we're cutting this, we're cutting this. It's like, motherfucker, like, when push comes to shove and you need that artist, you're going to pay that artist. And if you're not, and you gotta, somebody else you is gotta going to. Yeah, and you got to understand, too, like, I've got a lot of family in, in that company uh, right. that you mentioned, right? I mean, I mean literally. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm a day trader. I'm a stock owner. I've got a massive stock portfolio. I own a lot of stock in Live Nation. So I hope they come back. I hope these companies come back, you know, but at the same point and same time, and if anybody's listening to me, however minuscule my voice may be, you need to think of the artist as well, not just your company. So, you know, look, if there's meat off the bone, everybody should take it, but there should be enough left at the table for the musicians. It's funny, I'm vegan, so I don't know why I'm using meat as an example. I'm vegan too, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but then you should you should you should like let it be on the table for for those musicians that at home have a wife at home have children, uh, and you know artistically, 
most artists, that's all they do is art. Um, that's all they do. Like if you're a singer, that's what you do. You're a singer. You're not oftentimes, if you're at a certain level, you're not a singer and working at Seven Eleven or whatever it is, you know? So, um, we're going to have to see how these situations uh, go and how, how everything transpires. However, I, you know, I want to say it again, that people need to take care of the artists. I mean, it's why we formed Oracle live in February. Um, yeah. because I, I literally, I literally said to my wife, you know what? My crew is going to starve, man. My sound guy here, who's got two kids, has been my best friend for 30 years. He's going to starve. My crew guys that are camera guys, they're going to starve. Uh, the whiskey, what are they going to do? Like, I love Mike. I love the whiskey. That's like a home to me that broke my career. Like, what are they going to do? So, you know, we started to form these partnerships to try to put money in everybody else's pockets. And even better, we made deals that were way, way better and above what other streaming companies are actually asking for to make sure that we didn't, uh, just profit, you know, that it was the artist and all the other people around them making the show happen that profit. So it's going to be a really weird environment in the next six months, you know, to a year. And it's going to, it's just an interesting time to be alive. You got to learn to bob and weave. Totally. Has devil driver done many live streams? Cause I haven't totally been on top. We of have that. not, we, we have not. We're in California, uh, where COVID is, you know, it's not a good thing here. You know, right. I mean, I, I had, I had a neighbor down the street, go to the grocery store and pass away five days later. Oh my God. Several, several members do not want to get together. Uh, my guitar player, Neil, you know, has had asthma since he was a kid. I had asthma since I was a kid, um, as well. So who knows what that will be like? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm terribly healthy and so is he, and we're, we're young enough, hopefully, but we, we just don't know. Right. Um, right. so you, so it's not like, well, just go do a live stream. No, it's let's pull in, let's get a crew in. We've got to sure. do three to four days, four, three to four days of rehearsal. Then you pull in. Now there's a production team in there. There's other people coming in and out. Um, sure. We're masked up, but now we're in a closed environment where I'm spitting into a microphone and God forbid I have something, you know, that I don't know about, you know, and it's, and it's traveling in droplets around the air and, you know, God forbid, you know? And so, so for me, it's like, um, I want to do one. <laughs> I mean, we all want to do one really bad. Man. Right. And, you know, we, had, we had ideas about like, let's do all of, you know, once volume one is out, let's do it in its entirety. That being said, that's probably not going to happen this year. I, I don't see it this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. So back to the record, Dealing with Demons Part 1 out October 2nd. Um, so how, how did this, when did this record come to fruition? When was it recorded? When did you, you know, have it all together and say, okay, this is when it's going to come out, and then February, March, or for you, January, when you start finding out about all this shit, figuring out the schedule? I'm just really wondering the time frame with this record, because that's, that's interesting right, so, to me with bands putting out records in this day and age now. Right, so... After Trust No One, uh, I had come with the idea of of doing a double record and kind of getting things off my chest, as it were, right? So I could actually move forward lyrically uh, with other, you know, not just talking about the human condition, right? And being able to move forward means you got to get rid of it all. So I would say early, early to mid-2016, we started writing. So 16, 17, 18, uh, recording in 19. And then we were going to drop it in late 2019 uh, on a tour, which, of course, 
fleeing from wildfires than having to, you know, the family having to rally around my wife and go through her two surgeries at once. We pulled it. And then I thought, cool, when we came out of that and it, you know, looks like we may have got the cancer. Of course, we won't know for X amount of months, but her and I said, cool, we got a double album. Here we go. 2020, man, we're going to release this thing. We're going to go on the road together, you know, and then the pandemic hit. So, and for me, having a record company, first of all, because it doubles everything. So if they give you $5 for one record, they're going to give you $10 for two records. I was like, look, I'm going, I'm coming to you saying, I want to do a double record. And it just so happens I've got a great partner in Napalm who said, yeah, we we believe in this. Not only that, when they heard the plan about let's do the world twice, they were like, okay, cool. We back this. Um, then when this thing hit, I saw a lot of bands pull their records Um, and I saw some bands out there that, that say like, you know, well, you know, well, we put out records during this time. And it's like, it it was an obvious half-ass attempt where it was like, they recorded something and put it out a month later. So, you know, good for them, (laughs) good for them for putting it out. But like, you know, it should be quality over quantity at all times. This is going to be a part of your legacy, you know, uh, maybe not a good idea. Exactly. Records are forever. People need to remember that. Yeah. Forever. Doesn't matter. Forever. Um, exactly. You know, look, I collect a lot of vinyl. Most of those artists are dead, but if I'm in my house listening to whatever, anything from Elvis to the Mills brothers, like, I mean, I listen to a lot of forties tunes and, or, yeah. or, you know, a lot of soul stuff. Like, you know, if those artists are passed away, I'm listening to their music. They're alive. Right. So, and I said, look, this is, this is the time, man. This is not a good business time. This is not a good monetary move. Uh, for anyone. Right. Right. But this is a good people move. And, you know, you're probably much like me. Music literally saved my life when I was younger. If I didn't have it, don't know where I'd be now. Every artist kind of says that in their own way. But in my case, it's a complete reality. Right. If I didn't have punk rock and goth when I was a kid, I mean, I found metal later on because I like it vicious. I like it visceral. I like it violent. I like it violent. And once I found out that metal was that it wasn't just like classic rock right then i i fucking moved over to the dark side and took my goth metal or my goth punk rock roots into metal but we decided it's a great people move to to release it and um look we've been getting a lot of positive feedback i mean when you think about releasing volume two is my baby so i've said this in, in other interviews i wanted volume two to come out first that's my baby that thing is just unreal. The riffs, everything on that record. But we had Keep Away From Me, which is about me being terribly agoraphobic, actually choosing the wrong job in life. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I've been social distancing my whole life. So right. we, but we were like, this song is so timely. So this needs to come out now. And then the song Wishing was also on volume one. And so it's my first clean vocal uh, in a verse, not a chorus. So it's not metalcore, which by the way, I, I can't stand that vibe of a heavy, heavy verse and the real singy chorus to make the radio. It's like, it, it turns my stomach. I turn it off whenever it comes on. So it was my first foyer into going, Hey, these are my roots, which are sisters of mercy and Bauhaus. Not, and you're yeah. going to get, and you're going to get some of that on a devil driver record. Now, you know, when I had made the statement back in 2000, I'd never sing clean like I did in cold chamber. I'd never sing clean in devil driver, but this song needed it. And when you think you need to give the art what it needs, it's like a dog eats dog food, (laughs) you know, certain art needs certain vocals. Yeah. So because those two songs were on volume one, we decided to release volume one first. Um, 
crazy enough, man, keep away from me, spent 10 weeks on the number one metal chart driven by album sales. And it was a single. Wow. So we kept one of the big, we kept actually one of the biggest bands on the planet. They'll remain nameless, but from getting their, their uh, number one, because we, we stayed there. So on their album release, we were driving it with a single. So I'm really proud that we, we made the decision to release Volume 1. Yeah, it's awesome. No, you talk about Volume 1, Volume 2. You know, for everybody, obviously, there's been three singles released. I thought Nesta, Nesta Vipers was probably my favorite, I think. Um, that's just a sick song. But, you know, you have these tunes, right? Like, these records, were they made separately or were they made together? Because, you know, you talk about them like they're two different entities, which... Obviously, for release purposes, they are. But recording, were they separate or were they, were they all at the same time? No, everything, no, everything was together. I think we wrote more than 30 to 35 tunes for this, or at least segues and parts, so we could choose directions. Right. The one thing that I didn't want is, is a, a volume one, volume two, and half the record stunk. And at the end, you know, the other half was filler. Like, I just, I couldn't do that. And I actually said to myself and my band members, like, if this was my last foyer into art when it came to singing, you know, we are going to have to narrow it down and make sure that it's all killer and no filler. And that's a line often often used. But in, in our case, again, it was very true. Um, I didn't want anything to be uh, less than what we could do. And so I think, look, the, the guys really came with it. When I started getting the music, I knew we were on to something. I think what I did early on was uh, brave in the way that most bands that are around 10 and 20 years say, look, we have a brand. We have Coca-Cola. We need to put Coca-Cola on the shelves. People are not going to buy if they don't see Coca-Cola on the shelves. You know what happened to Coca-Cola vanilla. It just like, see it. It went away. <laughs> so I said to the guys early on, don't, don't consider the brand. Don't consider the sound. Don't consider the previous records. Do not consider what the label wants for us. Don't consider what the fans want from us. Let's, as if we just met today, and I did every vocal style I had from Cold Chamber, punk rock, goth stuff back in the day, and I just met you guys. Let's write a, let's write a record. Let's write a double record based on what we would write if we just met today, not a brand. So when you get terminology like this record is so fresh or this record is so, right. you know, I just saw YouTube the other day where the guy's like, there's not one bad song. And it was obvious he wasn't pandering because he was like really taking the music apart. Uh, and I rarely watch that stuff, but my wife manages devil driver and she's also the CEO of, of the, my management company. So she's like, sit down and listen to this kid. He's like really well, he's really well read. And I said, okay, cool. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's a crazy time to release. But when I started to get those songs, um, I knew we were on to something. And furthermore to that, I said to the guys, okay, now this is where it goes. Like, don't hearken back to anything. Like, don't, you know, when we move forward, which we're already writing, the guys are already writing. Uh, all my guys have drop boxes full of tunes. I've got, you know, I've been off for a year. I've got more than 20 songs completely written and ready. Um, wow. and then another 40 and then another 40, 50 courses. Yeah. I'm the guy who has 30 books of lyrics. So if I passed away today, my wife would be releasing one of those for a month, uh, every <laughs> month for five, 10 years. You know? Oh my God. So yeah. So Not it's the 78 just, it's Cadillac in the garage again, I hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, look, that's it. That's a, that's just the proverbial statement you make, you know, when, <laughs> when it comes time to, um, 
dude, that's actually a 1978 yellow on yellow Baritz from the movie Casino, by the way. Really? Yeah, so just to touch on that, I, I don't wow. have any new cars. My, my wife has the new car. I've got a 65 T-Bird and a 78 Caddy. I'm Italian. I don't. I wear a pinky ring, and I'm not going to cruise in anything You know, that's new. It's just not – doesn't fit me. So um, as a matter of fact, I sold an SRT8 Challenger because I just was like, I'm done. This just looks like a muscle car. Everybody has this thing. I'm out of here. You know, so oh. – uh, <laughs> Wow. But so, yeah, it's, it's real interesting, right? When you take a, like, I can't imagine I could name 20 bands and so could you that have been around 10, 20 years that actually would stand up and say, don't, don't write what anybody wants. Don't, don't do what anybody's expecting. And let's see what we come up with. It could have failed miserably, to be honest with you. Um, because it couldn't be like, oh, I got 20 songs from these guys. Now I'm like, Hey, this doesn't even sound like us. They're like, exactly. (laughs) You know, it could have fucking failed horribly. Uh, but for our sake, it didn't. Uh, and the music that I was getting from them. And like I said, I've only had one major lineup change as well in like 20 years. So that's another like real positive thing about the band. Uh, and this lineup here is this, uh, real democratic cohesive unit to the point where, you know, I, I, I co-wrote my first song lyrically with Neil. Yeah. First for, and I, and I've told since the beginning in bands, you know, um, and you'll understand this one, you'll tell the bass player, the guitar player, the drummer, like if you guys come with lyrics and they're cool, bring them. Right. Right. Sure. But, but they, fuck it, but they never do, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but, but these songs were coming in already with titles, you know, like Iona was already a title. So I Googled Iona and what it was and this and that. And I, and I wrote the story around that That's and the cool. demon of what, yeah. that, uh, and the same thing with Nesta Vipers, it came with, you know, Neil, Neil wrote that and it came with a title and it kind of came with a, a, a chorus idea from him. And I go, you're kidding me. Like I got a voice fucking note with a chorus from a guitar player. Like I was so excited, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> to have a writing, to have a writing partner, um, I've always, I've always been democratic in all the projects that I've been in. It's never been a, you know, it's never been a dictatorship. It's like, nah, this is the song. So it was very interesting, uh, to, to write this record and to record it as well, you know, cause I wasn't trapped within, uh, any kind of confines, you know, I knew that I wanted it to be real visceral. I knew that I wanted the records itself to have a violent feel because we're, we're exploring my demons and society's demons, right? So keep away from me. You're exploring the point that I can't even be in a room with more than five people I don't know. I'm going to leave, right? right? If I make plans with you, if I make plans with you like I'm probably not going to show up if there's going to be a lot of people there. I'm going to call you five minutes before. I say, oh, my car's out of gas. You know? You're going <laughs> to smell the bullshit a mile away, right? Um, I, Iona is exploring, and even the video, you know, she's – She's insatiable in her lust for killing men and turning them into roses and keeping them. She's like, it's insatiable for her. So it explains the demon of uh, our social insatiability. Is that a word? It works good. I think so. I'll use it's it. A, it's good. I, anyway. I'll, yeah, it, I'll fucking use it. Uh, for, <laughs> for like, why do, why, do we, why do we run home to watch CSI murder porn? Like, when I ask you what your favorite horror film is, when I love like ghost stories and what's around the corner and early Dracula, you're telling me like, you know, Michael Myers is my favorite guy. It's like, dude, he puts on a mask and a knife and he kills women, right? right. Or, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. It's like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, first of all, I can't watch videos where a pig is getting killed or skinned or a dog you know, getting killed or skinned. How are you going into a movie theater for two hours or wherever you're watching these things over and over watching women be put up on hooks and skinned and like where, where is society 
uh, and I'm not for censorship, right? But I'm just saying, put yourself in check. If you're living with a guy who watches Chainsaw Massacre fucking four times a week, you may want to like, you know, and I've got sisters and a wife, you may want to think about the fucking mentality of that person. And then Nest, Nest of Vipers is about loyalty uh, and about how it can be bought and sold in business and in personal relationships and how we should stay away from those types of people. Um, and then wishing the next single that's coming is about when someone leaves your life and everybody has had this, they either, they either leave your life and die or they leave your life for good. And you wish they were back. You wish you had another chance to say whatever you wanted. And so that's another thing, man, is oh, my whole career. You could interview me, ask me about songs and I would never tell you what no, they were about. No, exactly. And, and I was going to ask you that because you know, you you've mentioned how hard lyrics are for you, how they haunt you, you know, and now you're talking about this change coming, you know, you're getting it all out with this double record. And now I think you used the word woke um, before to explain like what you're talking about moving forward. What, what exactly do you mean? Like, you know, you're, yeah, you're no, still... I mean, now, now that title, yeah, now that title woke is like a little more like it's been, it's been hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, the word woke has been hijacked by the wrong side. So let's not use that. Okay. What I mean is I've been exploring the human element of loyalty, trust, love, these things since I was in recyclability bands when I was 15. Like, and I just felt like I need to grow. The only way to do it is to get some shit off my chest. Okay. How personal can I get? It's been, you know, 28, whatever plus years in the industry. If you ask me about a song, I never tell you yet. You know, you think Des, this song got me through so much in my life and you think it's about a sunny day. Do you want me to go tell you it's about a rainy day? It's going right. to blow it for you. So I've, ne right. but this one is about sharing exactly what I'm writing about getting every single and being extremely personal to, especially to the people that have followed me for this fucking long in my career. And the, to think that I'm still here and viable and all the other words that go along with that. Right. Uh, to give them something so personal. And that's why I keep away from me as the first song was, you know, it's very personal to me. It's like, look, I ride on tour buses. I, I'm in airports. I meet you guys at meet and greets. I go on stage in front of a hundred thousand people overseas at festivals. Like, uh, yeah. I, it, it crushes me inside. Sometimes I'm backstage throwing up, you know, like I, it's, uh, I enjoy making music, writing music, recording music and being on stage, but all the other things that go along with it when I have to meet other people, because I'm, a, I'm what's considered a sensitive, I'm very like in tune with people in the room. So anybody, right. in, in any room over 10 people, I automatically want to leave, you know, cause I feel vibes. So yeah, it just was about getting very personal with people, this record. Uh, and hopefully they'll, they'll appreciate that as I move on lyrically, uh, about other aspects of, 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 of social, of social aspects, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that, that, uh, that answer. So yeah, you, man, I, I have a lot of more things to ask you, but I don't really have not too much. Go ahead, time. bro. We got plenty. Of, we got okay. plenty of time. Awesome. Right now. So you know, one yeah. thing just poking around, and you brought up you know psychobilly a minute ago, and you know, oh, yeah. your goth roots and your punk roots, you know, yeah. and I looked at your little playlist you made on Spotify. And I don't know how seriously you put that together, but it's like forty or fifty songs, and a majority of a majority of it is punk bands from the eighties. And, you know, yeah. for a guy like you, obviously, I knew you first from Cold Chamber. You know, I saw you guys play, like, back in the mid-90s. And, and you know, 
that was a new metal band and then devil driver became you know the next you know level of metal for you so for me just as a fan of your metal side but my my roots are all punk rock too i was surprised you know to see all those bands and how you know it kind of formed your your you know your musical foundation and where you've gone from it right i moved over to metal because i found motorhead and I actually thought they were a punk band, so I saw a photo of them. And I remember I was listening to the Crumb Sucker. I was listening to the Crumb Suckers, which is a hardcore band out of New York. And a friend of mine put in a tape, and it was a Motorhead tape. And I was like, well, who the fuck is this? This is badass. I moved over. Now, keep in mind, I mean, of course I knew about Kiss and Ozzy and, like, you know, classic rock stuff, right? right? But I tend to like a visceral, violent feel. Like, I'm the one that thinks Bauhaus is more dark and visceral and violent than Metallica will ever be. So if you want a soundbite, that's probably it. And I'm going to get <laughs> railed over the coals. You know, people are going to rail me, but you know, it is what it is. Well, I, maybe these days anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Maybe these days. I mean, but I, 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 I just come from a place where like, it's got to be visceral and violent and dark and it's got to move me, you know? Um, so that's how I found metal at all, you know? Um, and oddly enough, you know, you mentioned Cold Chamber. I mean, that band was a, such a mishmash of of our experience with what music we loved. I mean, I mean, keep in mind at that time, me and Meigs were listening to Sisters and of Mercy and Bauhaus and all that stuff. At, at the same time, as listening to like you know early Pantera even and yeah. and shit like that. But we were very heavily influenced by by goth and that's that's kind of what separated us from the pack from the rest of like what was actually new metal at the time Absolutely. at the time at the time in LA 80s metal had killed the scene the sunset strip was dead no one was even going to fucking clubs you know and then pearl jam and nirvana came in which i was never fans of still to this day i'm not uh, and they came in with flannel and just it, you know everybody it just retreated Right. You know, uh, and so we, we came up with what we thought was just something different. Um, and we did it in a time when you no know, one was really going to, to clubs and stuff. I mean, I remember us playing the Roxy and the whiskey and I remember, you know, other bands that actually got, you know, bigger, in, bigger in that scene. And I'll just leave them nameless, but they were like busing people up from, oh, okay. up from Orange right. County, up right. from Orange County, to, you know, to, to like fill clubs. And we were like, hey, what's this? Like, you can't fucking do that. Like, you got to come to town and have them come. You can't, you know, uh, mm-hmm. God bless it. They made a great move. <laughs> you know, they made great moves. But um, but it is what it is. I mean, there's just my influences are so wide. Like, if you're sitting here going through my vinyl collection or, you know, I fucking collect eight tracks because my, my Cadillac is an eight track player. Right. So it's oh, fun to go sick. buy music for yeah, it's fun to go buy music for a buck twenty-five that right. would cost you know thirty bucks back in the day. But if you went through that, you'd be like, "Wow, tr- I'm tripping." You know, like there's a lot of black metal because I think that's visceral and violent, and you know, much yeah. of it is real um, uh, to me. You know, at least uh, there's a couple. There's a couple so-called black metal bands on the scene right now that I just I don't like um, that I just think are just posh and posy you know uh <laughs> but but the ones that aren't right like immortal and dim even demu uh cradle uh dark throne like those bands are fucking 
visceral and volatile to me and I fucking dig it, you know, but if you were to go through my collection, I mean, you'd see everything from punk rock to a lot of forties music to tiki music to psychobilly. I mean, the psychobilly scene was huge when I was younger. I was actually in a band called the screaming wolves when I was 15 and I was a stand up drummer in that band. Awesome. You know, and you're, and you're talking, you know, pomp and fucking black boots with chains on them and, you know, a fucking greaser, you know, a greaser look, basically. Um, but and in Orange County, uh, I was born and raised in L.A., but when my parents moved to Orange County, thankfully, my mom sent me to go live with my my real father, who I'd never really hung out with. And uh, that was in Thousand Oaks. So my third day there, as he went to work, I rode my bike to a pizza parlor and met all these fucking punk rock kids. And that just changed. That was it for me. I just, I found punk rock, you know, and I found the germs and fear and dead Kennedys. And, you know, I mean, like black flag. I mean, I can go on and on, you know, and that, that right there set me on a whole different path, right. a total different path. Well, that's where you yeah. got your name, right? From black flag. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> everybody needed a different name. back then too. So, uh, I had a conversation about this with another, uh, singer the other day that, 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 you know, it goes by a different name and it's hilarious, but, uh, some of my friends were, were really into flag. Um, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Just like Des. But I mean, in reality, that name came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh yeah, wait, there is Des Kadena and there is this and that. So yeah. And if I'm going to be named after somebody or, or anybody like it's fine it's to go ahead and take that. But <laughs> I don't know if it came to, I don't know if it came directly from there. Like now that I'm really looking at the inception of it. Right. Um, uh, but you know, look, my real name is Bradley. So, I mean, if you're familiar with Cole Chamber, there's actually a song called Bradley. And I say, Bradley doesn't work for anything other than, like, if I'm working at the fucking country club or some shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so I needed something that was different, you know. Um, I mean, same thing with Meigs, you know, in Cole Chamber. I mean, he's Miguel, yep. you know, and Meigs just worked better. So it is what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Cole Chamber seemed like one of the most turmoil bands ever. <laughs> Was that really how it was? Because it seemed like the craziest band in existence. And I don't know if that was a perception that, you know, you were young and you wanted to give off or if it really was just insane. No, no, we were totally insane. I mean, what's cool now is like we all talk. You know, we've all been in, in conversation. We all talk. Cool. Uh, you know, Anastasia was talking to Meigs yesterday. Everybody's cool. I've been going back and forth with Mikey cause he started day trading and I'm, you know, I've been in the stock market for years. So we're talking about that and everybody's cool, but no, we were insane. We were completely insane. And I think what tore us apart more than anything was, was the different drugs we all went to. So I come from an ADD, ADHD place where my parents had me on Ritalin when I was younger. And so I can't do anything speedy. Like, you know, if you do a line of cocaine, you're going to be the most talkative guy in the room. Right. If I do a line of cocaine, I'm going to sit in the corner. I'm not going to say anything for four hours. So I always went towards anything that was downer. Give me wine. Give me weed. Uh, give me Xanax. Give me Valium. Give me anything to take me off of this ADHD ride that my mind has been putting me on since I came out of the fucking womb. Right. And those guys, the opposite direction, which is like, let's stay up for three days. That, in essence, is what tore us apart, not only as a band, but as friends. So if you're in a band and you're listening to this, you guys may either want to get on the same shit <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I, you know, and I, and, you know, and look, I'm sober. I say I'm sober, uh, but I, yeah, you know, I'm just telling you that's what fucking tore it apart. Um, 
And look, and look, you know, too, like it was that insane on stage for us as well. Like it was an insanity that I think was reality. Like there was something incredibly real about that band. And when I look at it and somebody did an interview with me the other day and they said out of all the new metal bands, even a lot of them that are out now still, and that, that are look still top of the charts, you guys seem like the most real. And I was like, yep, like bar none. Like we fucking, you know, yes. Like when I, when, when I, you know, left a tour, which has only happened once. Uh, yeah, we was fucking nuts. We were fighting. We were, you know, so the band was, uh, incredibly volatile, but it's what made this weird outsider art. You know, yeah. uh, if you listen to those, those three records and even rivals, when we came back together, was it was like, record. thank you. Yeah. A lot of people look, that record was very cohesive. Yeah. Um, yet some of us still, we're dealing with some <laughs> dealing with demons. I mean, I no pun right. intended. Yeah. Some some of us still were dealing with with demons during that record. So there was still like this weird volatility inside rivals, you know. Um, look, I don't I don't have any of that with Devil Driver. Uh, obviously, we're all older. We're set in our ways. Our lives are set. Most of the guys are married or with girls, have kids, this and that, you know. <laughs> so our, our life is a little more set than that. And yep. we can't, it's not going to go off the rails, you know? Uh, but with Cold Chamber, it did most certainly. Yeah. Well, you know, your second hurrah with devil driver, obviously it's, you learn from your mistakes. So it's been, you know, you guys have been terribly consistent. I mean, records every two years until recently and now a double record. So, you know, you, you guys have been, been doing very well. I, I think I saw Cold Chamber, I think it was with Megadeth. I don't know when yeah, that would we, have been, maybe we, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember... Yeah Dave, yeah, Dave, yeah, Dave took us out. I mean, you know, also conversely, like Dave took out Devil Driver as well uh, yeah. in in Australia and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Cold Chamber did some massive tours. I mean, obviously, our first major tour was with Danzig. I've been great friends with him ever since. I really respect him awesome. a great deal. But we toured the world with, with Pantera and, and Black Sabbath with our fucking gear and cardboard boxes, man. Oh like yeah, we didn't even I have, saw like that we, tour too. I saw you play at the Skydome in Toronto. I think. I think you were. Yeah, well, we didn't even have. We didn't yeah. even have fucking road cases. We didn't have road cases. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and then cut to me like you know backstage talking to Sharon, going fuck, you need to stop so and so, or you need to, you know, talk to so and so, or you need to, you know, save this. You know. Right. Uh, so I don't know. You know, look, looking back, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Everything that we did made the art, the volatile art that we, we did. I stand by it to this day. Uh, there were some of them, some of those new metal bands that came out later that I just, I never liked. And I thought they just milk toasted the scene completely. Um, and turned it into like some kind of, you know, streamlined slick pop thing, which I fucking hated because the, the bands in the beginning of that scene were all very different. You know, very, very different. You couldn't compare, uh, I don't know, let's give it, like, I love Shavo. He's fucking one of my, one of my homies. So let's, you know, you can't compare System to Coal Chamber. You couldn't compare the Deftones to System. You couldn't compare Static to Corn. You can, you know, and, right. but then the later, the later bands that came in were like, really? Like, this sucks. <laughs> so, you know, and some of them, by the way, still are big, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, 
it's uh, it's strange to look at, you know. Um, I mean, look. That being said, I enjoy everything that I've ever done. I stand by it, you know. And now this double record that's coming, I think, is 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 getting nine out of tens and ten out of tens, and yeah, it's been incredible. It's been incredible to watch what dealing with demons is actually doing, just to bring it back to start right and what yeah. we're actually here to talk about. Absolutely. Um, it's, but it's been incredible in the fact that like it it was a risk. And not only the not only a double record, but in the fact that I said don't write for the the core audience. I mean, think of I don't know, name a band that's been around 10, 20 years. Think of that band having a band meeting going, don't write for the core audience. Think about that. Right. Like I could have been the end, actually. But what it turned out to be is the beginning. And it is the beginning. And I told people from, from the year 2000 that Devil Driver would be one of those bands that would graduate record after record would get better. And that has been what's happening. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be with these musicians that I'm with right now. No, that's awesome. And we've talked, I've talked to so many guests about the idea of a double record and how in the history of music, almost no bands have ever really pulled it off. Right, and, true. And in terms of metal... I don't even know if I can think of one. There aren't a lot of metal double records and unless you get into like the really theatrical stuff, you know, or proggy stuff, right? So Right. I, I don't know. Do you have any favorite double records or any double records that you would maybe consider to be, you know, perfect or near perfect records? Mm. I don't know. It's and actually just right? put me on the spot. I know it's I did. tough. I know it's, I did. It's I mean, tough. The only I, one I tend to be a guy. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. I was just saying, I, Fat Mike from NoFX was on the other day talking about the new NoFX album was they were going to be, it was going to be a double record and then they decided not to do a double record. And he said the only one he could think of was Pink Floyd, uh, uh, The Wall. So, Oh, right. Which actually is my least favorite Pink Floyd record. So, <laughs> so you don't agree. But no, it's hard. Yeah, I don't agree. Even the Beatles couldn't do it, you know? I can't stand the Beatles. Okay, well there you go. No, I, I wrote. No, I I was listening to my parents' record collection when I was younger, and I wrote all over the cover of the White Album, like scribbled all over their faces, and got my ass beat for it. Uh, and since since then, I've always hated that band. But yeah, I was always kind of a Rolling Stones guy. Now that I go right. back to where I was when I was a kid, yeah. Look, it's 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 tough to bite off a double. It's tough to bite off. You know, if the first one fails, the second one is definitely going to fail. <laughs> the thing, that, the thing, that, the thing that gives me reassurance is that the second record is my baby, and even the label agrees it's like a heavier record, even uh, dark, darker, heavier record, even. So the fact that the first one came out and it's getting the accolades it is. Um, with no real like spin, because th this is way before anybody started to talk to me. Uh, I'm not kind of a guy who will spin anything anyways. I'm really, you know, if you come out in a red shirt and you ask me if it looks good on you and it doesn't, I'm going to go, fuck no, go upstairs and change. Like that's, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's hard. That's hard for some people to deal with, but I'm a very like, just kind of in your face, honest kind of guy. So the, 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 the reality that this record is coming out and doing what it's doing and getting the accolades that it's getting actually, <laughs> you know, I can't wait for number two to come. You know, and I had a conversation this morning with, you know, my wife, who's my manager going, hey, man, maybe we should put out like, you know, maybe we should only go six months and put out number two. And she's like, just shut up, like hold your horses, <laughs> you know, you know, she's, she's, like, she's like, she's like, let me lead this thing now. I said, OK, cool. I get it. But I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited about music. 
I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to talk to somebody that's, you know, older than me, because I always feel like I'm an old guy. I'm 39. You know, to talk to somebody that's been <laughs> doing it for 50, 15 years, you know, longer than me, and you're this excited, it, it brings, you know, especially during this time and this last six months has been kind of shitty, like, it brings me up, you know? So thanks for the call. Thanks for the talk, because this has just uh, been really uplifting, man. Thank you. No, no, no worries, homie. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to support my art. I'm glad that you're you know, getting me on the line to support it. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, 39, 39, I can't even tell you. you you're so young. You know, <laughs> I told my wife this. I told my wife this. When I can't do it right, when it doesn't look good, when I can't take a band that's 20 to the court, if they go on before me or after me, uh, I'm going to stop. Right. And and that's it. When I When I stop loving it, A, when I stop loving it, be when I, when I can't do it at the level that I, I do it, which I say, if you're going to go on before me, have fun with that. If you're going to go on after me, have real fun with that. But when I lose that attitude, when I lose that, then yeah, it's got to definitely, it's got to stop. Right. Um, well, it shows no signs of slowing up right now, man. So (laughs) as I, as I just got off the treadmill, thanks. As I just got off the treadmill doing five miles right now, you know, you know, <laughs> oh, nice. So, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know yeah. you don't sound out of breath. Not even the, the least you're walking. Yeah. The well, time. thank God. Thank God, homie. Yeah. I've been walking this whole time. Nice. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you, you know. go. I'll play a song for the people. How about Nesta Vipers? Yeah. Play it, man. Let's I love that it. tune. It's got some incredible guitars on that. Man. Oh, that's, that's awesome. From start to finish. Des, thank you so much, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate your time. Have a good day, and I hope everybody stays safe out there.
There is new music from the new Devil Driver album, Nest of Vipers. That was so sick. I want to thank Dez so much for taking the time to speak with him and wish him all the best with everything going on. Great talk. Wasn't it a great talk? We got really, really exciting stuff next week. A bit of a different vibe from Devil Driver. We've got a two-parter. Next week and the week after, I am speaking with both Roger and Chris from Less Than Jake, the ska punk legends. They're going to be on the show. Been trying to get this done for a very long time, and it's finally happening, and I've already done these conversations, and they're great, and two people I've always wanted to, you know, pick their brains, so Make sure you're subscribed if you're a punk rock fan, but just make sure you're subscribed anyways, because there's so many good things coming. Episode 250, get ready for that one as well. I'm excited. Thank you so much for listening to this, and I'll see you on Friday for This Is The New Shit, where we talk about all the new releases. Peace and love. See you next time.